I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Andrew Millen, and you're listening to the Celtics Old Podcast. You're all very welcome to episode 23. Today on the show, we will have the second part of our conversation with former Celtic goalkeeper, John Fallon. If your business or Celtic supporters club would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, please email us at info at CelticFanzian.com. You can also contact us through the website or message us on social media. As expected, Dundee United made it hard for Celtic on Saturday, as did the referee, Andrew Dallas who had his blue-tinted contact lenses in. Of that, we have no doubt. After a frustrating first half, we got the rewards, and substitute Albi Ayeti came off the bench to secure all three points. Dundee United's goalkeeper was the standout performer for the home side. Dundee United defended in numbers and never really troubled us going forward, and our man between the sticks had a handy shift. Until the ball hit the back of the net, I was on edge. Is it easier to be in the ground with so many like-minded people? My dog Henrik left the room because it was getting frustrated and raising my voice in an empty room. Is this normal behaviour for a grown man who should know better, who celebrated his 49th birthday yesterday? Why do I shout at the TV? The players can't hear me, the manager can't hear me. The only people who could answer me would be the neighbours who must think I have a few issues. But this is where we are with COVID restrictions, watching from home. No travel, no meeting in the pub for pre and post match drinks, no turnstiles. No half-time pies. I miss match day, and I know the listeners do too. We had a great response to the first part of our conversation with John Fallon. We left the interview on Friday with John talking about his heartbreak of leaving Celtic. In the second part, we look back at some of the highlights of John's career. There was 14 great years. There was many highlights, many oh, heroic oh. performances. Can you take the listeners back to the racing club game in South America in the World Club Championships? Well, what a horrible games they were, you know, even the game at Hamden, their tactics were shocking, typical at that time, South America, Argentinian, you know, they just kick in and it was walking. And then we went over to South America 
and uh, we're stuck in this camp, the rugby pitches, the cricket pitch and all that. Great big training facilities and the hotel was good. And uh, we went to Mass in the first, because again, the first or second of November, and it happened to be our Stephen's birthday at the time, and I'm out in South America. And uh, they had a guard of all, the guards all round about, police or militia, whatever you want to call them. And they were taking us up to the church and then back again. And the treatment we're getting, we'll be that. Even they were giving you these fly digs in the ribs, you know, and their, their guns. When we went to the stadium, you went through this shanty town. And I mean, a shanty town. And this huge, big stadium was there. And we were out and got dressed and came up this long tunnel, dark tunnel. You come out onto the field and we're sitting there. They didn't have a ball to, you know, the please. Pre-match, you always had that ball to kick about for about five, ten minutes. And uh, he didn't have a ball. Now I'm really looking for a, a ball to throw onto the field. And the next thing I knew was Bobby Lennox, Stevie, coming over, grabbing me, sitting me down, pulling the tracksuit off. So what are you doing? He says, hurry up, hurry up. The game's starting. And I looked up and Ronnie was walking off with his towel around his head. And I said, what the heart do you? The referee was starting the game before I was even on the park. And I just ran out of the park and started the game. And the atmosphere and their attitude was shocking. You know, and it just, you just said to yourself, you can't believe how a team can do that. Yeah, but that was a that was the style, you know, that was the style of them. They would go down like being shot. You think they'd been shot. And they just collapse and all the time. It was a horrible feel. But believe it or not, Andrew, I loved that atmosphere. I loved playing in the game. The two of the games, you were know, both home and the other one. And uh, it's a great experience for me, and I loved it. And then, unfortunate, again, after the replay, when the boy hit the ball for about 30 yards in the top right-hand corner, we still got the 40s in there. And Big Jock had nothing to say to the players who ordered off. You know, for their attitude, certain players, you know, Bobby, I think it was Bobby Lennox got sent off, Jimmy got sent off for nothing. But up the other three who were sent off, one never went off, or two never went off. And he just looked at me time up, and Bobby Murder was still fuming. And I was sitting in the corner with Bobby. And he walked over and he just pointed at me and he says, you should have got that goal. And I looked at him. And Bobby says, there you go, blame him again. And that was all that said. And then he said to me, ah, oh, well, you done well. I think when, you know, a few players said something to him, they said, oh, you done well for us. You played well. We played in the team. That's you back in the first team, you're back in the team. So we get back home and the next thing we're playing, I think, at Airtree. And then he gets into the dressing, my boots is there. All of a sudden, Ronnie hops in. Ronnie wasn't care, didn't he know? And he announced to the team, and nearly mocking all of a sudden, the team, and the, your boots was all out. And the team was read out. And Ronnie looked at me and I looked at Ronnie. And I just walked out of the dressing room. And that was stuff you. And I walked out. And Bob Kelly says, Where are you going? I says, oh, I'm not going in there. And he walked in and seen the and he wanted an explanation. But he put a bandage on Ronnie's head, you know, the usual, to make it... Ronnie was, to tell the truth, Ronnie felt rotten, you know, of getting, you know, having to replace me. And, you know, it wasn't as if it was any anybody's fault, the two's fault, it was just him. So that was another experience. But I enjoyed playing in these big games, uh, Milan. I enjoyed playing against AC Milan, both games, uh, Benfica. I really enjoyed my earlier days, although we got beaten in the semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup. That was a great experience to me, playing with all these European ties. 
played the big cup finals, 65 when he won the Scottish Cup. That was a turning point in Celtic's career. And, you know, the, the turning point in everything with nine, ten years greatness after that. I was proud to play in League Cup wins, helped the team to win games and then the, beating the Rangers 4-0 in the Scottish Cup final. For some unknown reason, they were the favourites to win the Cup. But that was typical Scottish papers. And we won 4-0. And that was another, you know, I must say I had great days and a lot of disappointments, a few disappointments through through in, but uh, it'll not take anything away from me. You know, I don't care what anyone said or done. I was proud of what I've done. I'm proud of being a Celtic man. My family's proud of me. I'm proud of them. Medals, memories. John, you won six league titles during the nine in a row, two Scottish Cups, five league Cups. You're a Lisbon lion. I don't think anyone doubts your Celtic credentials. You've won more in one medal than some players dream of. John, I want to take you to 1970 now. You became the first choice keeper after uh, after Ronnie. You took over from Ronnie and you were the first choice keeper. You then lost your place in 1970 to Evan Williams. I've yep. never really heard you speak much about that final. Uh, final that Celtic were expected to win. Did you travel to Italy with the squad, or were you injured that season? Or no, they brought me in. I can't remember. Was it St. Etienne or something? Like anyway, then we played against Benfica. So Benfica were one of at that time a top team, and we won three 0 at Parkhead. And I don't know if you've seen the photo that, and somebody put it on during the week. My save from Eusebio from about two or three yards. And a boy said, that's a save. That's what they call the save. So I thought I played great. I played well. I came for everything. Went to Benfica. And two players were showboating. And a little winger, Simois, just took the ball off them, crossed the ball and bang, bang, two goals. Free kicks were raining in. And I was getting wound. Everybody thought I had a great game. They lost a goal in the last seconds. Extra time. The referee just kept playing and they scored. And uh, I thought that's that. I've done. I've done well. But we've, we've we've got through, and for no one reason at all, I was dropped. And uh, I he blamed me for the Benfica game. And after that, I, I lost a lot of respect for him. And uh, I just thought, ah, well, you tell the truth. I just said, fuck it. I was disappointed. Milan. I was on the bench. And it was going wrong. And I don't care what they say. I just, somebody asked me about it. I said, well, I'm not being bow-headed, but I think I'd have, we'd have won the cup if they kept the same team. But you changed the team. If you think you want to change the team, I said, if we kept the team, it'd beat Benfica, we'd have won the cup. And at time up, I didn't know they got medals because I never even got one. They got one of these runner-up medals. I've not got one. I walked away, went and got ready, get myself dressed and in the dressing room, dressed, walked out to have a smoke out the road and I was talking to Ronnie at the time and he just, that was us, you know, it was a, a bit, I was very disappointed about missing that game. I wanted to play in the European, I played in the World Club Championship I thought I was a certainty to play in the World in the European Champion and that's what I think. He changed the team, then he blamed the players and he didn't, he, he, he no right blaming the players, he just picked the wrong team and that that sticks out bitterly in me as well, you know. John, you've had an amazing career um, 
ups and downs, uh, and you're so honest, and that's what I, I suppose because we've built up a relationship over the years that you can be honest with me. But John, there's been so many more highlights. You know, let's not dwell on 1970 Cup finals, the about the Stefano's testimonial. Mm-hmm. You, know, you mentioned the San Siro with Milan. I think it was in the snow. The World Club finals. So many domestic battles with Rangers and other Scottish teams at a time when there's plenty of teams competing with Celtic. What game do you finally remember? And if you could go back in time, what game would it be? I finally remember the, my debut uh, September 59. I didn't know I was going to be playing. I was only, I was the, lucky I was there a year, wasn't I? I was in the team. And for some unknown reason, it was Essie's birthday. It was the 25th. I think I played in the 26th or something. 25th to 26th, I'm not sure. But it was her birthday. So it was a good surprise to her. I said, that's your birthday present. <laughs> and uh, she went along with the game. I remember that. And I think what I remember most was Bobby Evans, Duncan Mackay, Neely Malkin, Bertie Peacock were on the team. And to play with players that you've stood in the terrace, Andrew, if you can, you know, just you stood there watching them. Winning the Euro, winning the Scottish the League Cup, and then to play with them, that sticks out in your mind. You know, saying I played with my heroes, and I mean players, and I played for my hero of a team, that sticks out with me most. You know, and then cup finals, South America, uh, Madrid, anywhere you want to call it, just to pull the jersey over your head. That is. That's a pride of place on you. I, I don't think I ever went out without putting the Celtic strip on before I put my goalkeeper's strip on. And uh, I remember once, I can't remember who we were playing, and we had to change the goalkeeper's jersey. And I think Bob Rooney came up with a black jersey. I said, I don't want that. And he came up with this red jersey, and I told him where to put that. And it must have been in the early 60s that I started playing in the all green, green jersey and green shorts. That's how, and it seemed to stick with me. He wore green all the time. Another place, I can't remember, but there's photos that I played with the green away back in the early 60s. But as I said, you pull that jersey over your head and that's it. You're going out there and you're doing your best for your fans. You were a fan. Now you're going out to please your fans. And they can't, as I said, you can't take that away from you. I'm proud of what I've done. I was proud of playing for Celtic more than anything. My biggest disappointment again, if you want a disappointment, you know this, was in 69 when I was asked in Dublin after the 4-0 Cup final, we played a Dublin Select in Tolka Park. A, a gentleman, elderly gentleman, asked me in the, at the trackside when coming in, are you grandfather from Sligo? And I says, yes. Are you connected to Sean? I says, no, really. I said, I think there's a connection somewhere. He said, so you're definitely a Fallon from Sligo? I said, yes. And they asked me if I was interested in playing for the Republic. Well, you know my answer right away. I said, yes. And I know that at that time I was asked, I was picked to play for Scotland at Wembley. And I was pulled out both squads. I wasn't caring about the Scottish squad. I couldn't give a damn for it. But to be pulled out the Irish squad, just that was... And I'm not telling the man pulled me out of the Scottish squad. He done the same with Charlie Gallagher. But, uh, that was my biggest disappointment. 
John, you just you mentioned 1967 there when the chance to play for uh, 69 when the chance to yeah. play for Ireland. Um, was that the cup final against Rangers? Yes. The, the, the game's oh. up to that. I don't know what happened. They must have been looking. But because I put that performance up against the, the Rangers, it was on one of the TV games. And uh, I got a shot when they told me, asked me to talk back. I think we won 5-0. It was against a Dublin Select, a National Select. Can't remember. It was talking. It was raining, terrible. And they asked me, and I said yes. Now, practically, says you don't need to ask me, but yes, I believe that a uh, the phone call made never happened. And I know that I'd been picked to play for Scotland because, uh, and in fact, the bladder never played because Scotland got hump five one that week. That weekend. That cup final we spoke about there in 1969, uh, you must have had yeah. a good uh, night after that one. I remember going in uh, after the game. Essie had never seen any cup final, me playing in any of them. She wouldn't go to them. Don't forget 65, the one that we're just after showing out there. He was born that night, uh, the night after it because she went into labour. So the list was uh, Brian, John Son arrived in, in the interview, but we've had to cut it out. And uh, right. him in a bottle, brought him in a bottle of Jamison whiskey, keep him warm. Right. Tripled the skill, that's all do, mate. <laughs> and he was born, and then 69, uh, Esther came into the Royal Stuart Hotel, which was at Jamaica Street Corner, and it's now a hostel, but it, it was one of the top hotels at the time. So we had our presentation, the party in there, Buffy. Is that the Euro met, Hostel? Yeah, that's it. That was a hotel. And a few we good nights in there myself. We used to have, uh, what do you call it, our Christmas dinners in there. It was a stupid hotel, they called it at the time. But uh, we had it there, and, oh, I was buzzing. And he ended the season, and I says to Murdy, where you got? He says, I says, I know where I'm going. I'm off. So he gets home, he's into the house. I says, yes, <laughs> right, let's go. And we went out, and we met a aunt and uncle, we went to this wee canvas court, wee hotel down the canvas line, and we're sitting there, and the next thing, Bob Rooney and his wife came in, so we had a wee party amongst ourselves. But it was just, that was it. Uh, I had a quiet night. I just wanted to get away. I was satisfied with what I'd done, and I said, that would clear me. And I just wanted to go away, sit down and relax with my wife, and that was it. I couldn't, you know, and other people come in and, oh, how are you doing and all that. I just wanted to be just wanted to be with her and calm down. That's it. Have a couple of drinks. And it worked. <laughs> and John, you wrote, you wrote a book with David Potter. Keeping, yes. Keeping in Paradise, which is a brilliant yeah. read. Is, is it still mm. available for fans to buy, John? Well, Andrew, it's just, just as well as you said that. I've been and You know, I was over playing golf there last fortnight ago. And I was asked to go up Decky and Marie. Up in Lurgan. Yeah. Dick, uh, Marie asked me when she heard it was over, would I come up to Lurgan to the club, which is a beautiful club now. Oh, what, what a club they have. Oh, but in the back now, they're going to have a beautiful club in the back, you know, a room in the back, Andrew. It's going to be fabulous. And she didn't know that I'd wrote a book. And uh, my pal who was with me, he chips up and he says, look here, I'm his agent. We'll come over. <laughs> we'll get books and we'll come over and get them. I think I've only got six left, because I'd sent some over to Tony Boys in Sligo got some, the radio over there, and Tony Connell got some. So I've got a few, 
So I'm going to go to Edinburgh next week to see the publisher to see if I can get some books. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if I get them, I'm going to come out to Lurgan, do a QA, and then put the books up for sale as well. And uh, also, later on in the year, I'm coming down to Kilkenny. Remember the one that was supposed to be done with uh, Alan Thompson? In Waterford. So to get some of the books for that as well. Yeah, I think it's important, John, that you get a rerun of them books because um, yeah. we need we need we need more people to read your story. Well, instead of telling them it, that's that. <laughs> but uh, it's just I've been asked, believe it or not, you've got to do a follow up. You know, I sat down and said I could do a follow up. Well, you could rewrite the ending of the book. It, it would be nice to do a second edition, all right, John. Uh-huh. But John, you've mentioned Essie in the interview a number of times, and I met Essie a number of times myself, and I've had a few good nights with her. A lady who sadly passed away. I remember at the funeral, John, the priest describing her as, as the first wag in Blanfer. That's true. <laughs> before, before wags were even, anyone knew what a wag was. Um, as I said, I've had the pleasure of her company on many occasions. She was more interested in going shopping with my wife, Sandra, than oh. watching the football with me and you. I don't think she's much interested in football, but is it true that she once boil-washed a signed 1968 Manchester United European Cup winner's jersey that Nobby yeah. Styles had given you? Yeah, Nobby Styles had given me, and it was a signed by George Best and all. They got it over in Toronto in 68, and I came home, and it, they'd been, they played with it. And I also got a blazer from Man United off a Willie Morgan. Willie Morgan wanted a Celtic strip. Cat, the full cat. So I went into the <laughs> trunk where they put his jerseys and I got a, a strip, shorts, socks, and I sneaked them to Willie Morgan, who was a Celtic fanatic. And Willie came later up and he handed me over his Man United blazer. That went missing. She gave it to one of your brothers. And I said, where's my Man United strip? Oh, I didn't think he wanted it. I said, that's a treasure. And then I said, where's the hell did you do with my jersey? Oh, John, it was dirty. So I just washed it. I went, oh, for foxes, grassy and mints. I said, all the autographs was on it. And there's a little boy in the <laughs> congregation, me, Jim, me, and he's a Celtic collector. And she gave all my strips over to the boys to go out and play with. Real Madrid's and oh, you name them, all the teams that play. She just gave them. And the boys were going football training with them on. And they were just knackered. They were ripped. And uh, he's sitting and he says to me, you know something, your wife just wasted £100,000 worth of jerseys giving away stuff. Yeah, yeah, but just think, John, Brian and Stephen and the other boys in the family, oh, they were the yeah. best dressed in PE. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> I know. Showing off of this fancy shit. European jerseys. Oh, couldn't believe it. Uh, I think it was 69. Yeah, 69. Bob Kelly had phoned me at the house to do him a favour. Would they take the Scottish Cup up to his creef? said, Finnan's up in creef. There's a young boy who was a priest up there, uh, McBride, Felix McBride. He came from Blantyre. He was having a garden fair. So he got, I think it was Sean. He got Sean to phone me. He says, Mr Kelly, watch you into Celtic Park. Would you take the cup up? This was on the Friday to Creef. Uh, Bob said that you'll do, you'll do a beat the goalie. Now, there's no grounds there. It was a little wee patch of grass. 
Tried to the Scottish Cup up and done my beat the goalie, everything great. So I was bringing the cup back, brought the cup back to Blantyre and uh, had a wee drink in the house at night, sitting talking with Essie. The next thing is bang, seven o'clock in the morning, the doors are opened, the, the doors getting battered, and there's two policemen standing with the Scottish Cup, John and, John and Thomas with them. And I said, what the hell are you? The two of them had Celtic strips on, and they were running about the street in Blantyre with the Scottish Cup. I went, gee, and the police are driving by, and they said, the hell's the family's doing there with that cup? And they came in, and, and they thought it was great. You know, they had the cup too. We're lucky there were two Celtic supporters as well. And they, oh, this is great, the Scottish Cup. <laughs> and I said, oh, geez, oh. She said, could you imagine that cup going missing? Getting oh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't get into Celtic Park quick enough with the cup and the key. <laughs> oh, you talk about crazy, crazy boys, aye. Eh? John, life after football, um, you bought a pub, as yep. many players did back in the day. I would imagine there was some brandy shandies knocked back in that fine establishment. There were quite a few. Uh, that time it was vodkas. A uh, few late nights, uh, great nights and all that. I'd actually leased the pub from the Scottish Brewers. And then 40-odd years, maybe more, the, Blant, the Hamilton District Council decided to do reconstruction the uh, pulled down buildings and built Asda and across the street which where my pub was they decided to put that under council property and they pulled the building down said it was under the uh, needing repairs and all that and it wasn't because they, the two buildings were separated and it was a, the, the contractor who demolished the building went to them and said you've done a boob that building was not under Dingway so after about eight, ten years, it, it was pulled down. We went to great times, and you know some of the boys used to come out. Yeah, but everybody enjoyed themselves. But that time, I'd stopped playing, so I had nothing to restrict me with. But we enjoyed it, and then I went into the pub trade, and then I got fed up with it. I said, "No, we need to get out of it." You know, things was getting wrong. I didn't like it. You know, you're getting too fond of the baby and all that. I said, "Oh no, come on." to hell with us, late nights. I said, no, stop it. Because my kids was growing up. I'd never seen them when I was playing football. So at that time, they were growing up too. So you were doing these staff hours. And I said, no. And Essie asked me, just wrap it up. And I said, we did. But I lost the, the pub through the Brewers claiming it was their property. So it sort of sickened me. But I enjoyed myself. Enjoyed it. But you live off Celtic's name. And they... Uh, to a certain extent, you're still John Fallon, you're still Celtic. doesn't matter what they say. You could have been anything, but uh, I had a good time there. Uh, I still have a good time. I'm still going, going to Celtic Park, still attending functions uh, whenever possible. And uh, life is good up until two years, or two years in December. But I've got to soldier on, Andrew, and make the best of it, what's left. So that's when Essie passed away. Yeah, and uh, you've just got to make make the best of it, you know. But I can't say, I, I could say I'm a lucky man. What I've done, I've fulfilled a boyhood dream. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you that. I remember when the qualifying education school, the primary school, and you had a choice of going to a higher grade school or a secondary school. I remember the teacher 
Mr Murphy saying, right, fam, what are you going to do when you leave school? So I went to play for Celtic, and he just laughed in my face. And when I signed for Celtic, I remember meeting him in the street, and he said, I'll never forget you saying to me, a 12-year-old boy saying, I'm going to play for Celtic. So my dream was then. I fulfilled my dream. I'm still following Celtic. I've still got Celtic. My family's got Celtic. So it's there. It's a thing that you can't take out of anybody. You know it. And all the boys that come over to Ireland, come up to England, they've got this family, Celtic family in their blood. And you can't take it away. And it's a gift. And it's a great Irish gift that we were given over here in Scotland to support our founded fathers and to play and support Celtic. You'll never take it away. You can't take it away. I'm, I'm looking forward to 10 in a row. Honest, Andrew, I've got my flag ready for 10 in a row. They'll not let me put my 9 in a row flag out in the back. So you're waiting for 10? I'm waiting for 10. Go and get a flagpole and I'm putting it up. No one can question your love for Celtic. Uh, no one can question that the success you had at Celtic. No one can question your relationship with the fans, what you do to raise money for charity for the for the supporters clubs. I had the pleasure of having a couple of drinks with you with Gary Kelly the last time you were over when he thanked you for raising money for his charity. We were up in his local and we had a, we had a lovely little day. And you remember that day? Yes, I can. I respect about the early part anyway. Yeah, we did have a good few. We had a late one. And that's the last time we had a drink together. So when this COVID has finally passed and it's safe to do so, I can't wait to buy it at Brandy Shandy. I can't wait to sit down and chat to you in person. I'm looking forward to reading your monthly column still in every issue of more than 90 minutes. So John, all that's left to say is just to say, thanks for telling your story today in the podcast. Thanks for being a good friend and educating me sometimes in the Celtic way. I can't thank you enough for everything you've done for myself and our supporters club over the year. And I know I speak for a lot of Celtic fans when I say, John Fallon, hail, hail. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's a pleasure always to help you out. And thanks again. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. <laughs> and that dog is still barking. Rise, brother, and Well, as a bonus, John's son, Brian, has popped into the house and John has popped out to keep the dog quiet. Uh, Brian, just a quick question. Your dad's in his 80 years now, and I know you celebrated his birthday with him, and I was disappointed I couldn't get over. John's been a great friend to me and a great friend to the Celtic supporters. You must be so proud of his achievements and the respect he has among Celtic supporters. Definitely, Andrew. I mean, it's when you when you go to events or you're even out in the street and, you know, you can hardly go anywhere and people are stopping, start stopping and asking him questions and talking to him about Celtic. And he, he, and he doesn't ignore him. He'll stop and talk to anybody. Talk about football, talk about referees. He'll talk about everything. And it's just... And then when the lights said when I was putting a wee note on Facebook and I picked up some pictures and I put it on. And then once you realise how many, you know, legends he played with you know it's just a beggar's belief and there's one other thing that always sticks in my mind and it was during the Champions League striking era and we were sitting in the house and my son Lloyd uh, must have been about nine or ten at the time and they were lining up the San Siro to go out and it was when the focus then in the players in the tunnel and myself and Lloyd were sitting with my dad watching it and 
my dad turned and says to Lloyd, oh, I remember standing there in that tunnel a couple of times. And when they walked out of the Champions League, you just realised what he's actually done. And sometimes for us, it's it's things like that. When you bump into people, that's when you get the realisation that he lived a dream. Uh, and we have lived that dream with him, to be honest with you. The ups and downs and everything. Um, but uh, he's Celtic through and through, like every single one of us. And we're sons as well. And his grandsons, rather. Well, Brian, I, I met John Forst, I think, in Las Vegas in 2002. I don't remember meeting him in 2000. We then interviewed him for the fans in. He then joined us as a columnist and we started to do a few uh, live shows with him. But I think if I can pick the highlight out, Brian, it has to be our trip to Philadelphia. Oh, my God. I'd never watched an American football game before. We just happened to be in the city when Philadelphia won the Super Bowl for the first time. Uh, what a night. And I'll always remember him. He knew all the rules now and I didn't. And I think he was fed up explaining the rules to me. But what a night and what a weekend, Brian. I'm just mm-hmm. delighted that you walked in so we could get a, a comment on one of the family members on this no career and amazing life over 80 years. And here's the many more folly in Celtic. Yeah, let's hope so. And let's hope we're all back in Park Kids sooner rather than later. Please God, Brian, please God. And if there is a God, we'll be celebrating 10 in a row. Absolutely, 100%. And he can put his flag up. Finally. I think you'll all agree that John's story is a great one. One of so much success at the team he supported as a boy and went on to play for so, for so long. And he's still there, ever present, home and away. 80 years of age, not a bother on him. If you have been enjoying the Celtic Soul podcast and you would like to support us, there is four ways you can support us by visiting CelticFanzine.com. You can donate for the price of a pint. You can subscribe to the digital or print edition of More Than 90 Minutes. Subscriptions start at 5 99 you can become a member by clicking our membership area and membership starts at 7 99 Or you can buy some merchandise which starts at 5 quid. Thanks to everybody who has supported us so far. We promise no one wanted Google adverts on our website or within our articles and no one wanted advert interruptions on our podcast. Keeping it real, keeping it independent. Your support will help us to continue to produce quality independent fan journalism, podcasts, video content and free live Celtic fan events when it's safe to do so. If you are not in a position to financially support us at this time, don't worry. We will still deliver the same quality content to all fans free. As always, thank you for listening and for your continued support. And thanks to Ronan McQuillan, our producer. The podcast is available on all platforms. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Alternatively, you can visit CelticFansIn.com forward slash podcast forward slash where you will find all of the podcasts. Please follow More Than 90 Minutes on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I'm delighted to say that the app is finally ready from the App Store, Celtic Fanzine app, where you will find everything we do from our written, from our spoken word, podcasts, etc, etc. Don't forget to download and enjoy. Folks, if your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to sponsor the podcast, please get in contact. You can sponsor us by emailing info at CelticFanzine.com or you can contact us through the website or message us on social media. Keep the comments coming in and let us know what guests you would like us to have on the show. The next podcast, episode 24, will be available from Friday evening when my guest will be politician Tommy Sheridan. We are back in action on Wednesday night. Let's hope we can put in a good performance and get the result that sees us progress towards the Champions League group stages. Enjoy the game and the rest of the week. Hail, hail, folks. Keep the faith and stay safe.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 